If we truly believe that our differences are not merely a difference of opinion, but a difference of eternity, we should be having these conversations intentionally. Welcome to episode two of the Aptcast. I am your host, Wes. Flying solo today, my partner in crime, Alex, is uh, taking some time away. He's got some things going on. So it's just me today. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, You can download the Aptcast with any podcast catcher. We are on iTunes, Google Play, or Google Music, uh, Spotify, whatever you use, we're on it. Uh, And if you use a platform and can't find us for whatever reason, let us know. Uh, We are on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash aptpodcast. Shoot us a message, let us know, and we will rectify that situation as soon as possible. Uh, Also, feel free to send us a message with any feedback you have, anything we're doing right, anything we're doing wrong. Uh, We'd love to hear any feedback you have for us, and thanks in advance for that. Also, like the page while you're there, give it a review, and we'll make sure it's read out on a future episode. Uh, Thanks to the warm welcome that we had over the weekend, we have a ton of new likes. So instead of reading all of the names out here at the beginning, we'll actually read them over uh, the outro music later on. But uh, moving forward, uh, unless we just have a ton of them, this is where we would... Uh, Read your name out, give you a thank you on air for it, and any review that you have, let us know. Uh, But uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, We couldn't do it without uh, the support that we have from our friends and family and our listeners. So thank you very much uh, for all of your support. All right, so let's jump right into today's topic on diagnosing a worldview. We'd like to focus on three particular questions. Uh, The first, what are some of the distinctives of these different worldviews? And we'll talk about three main uh, worldview systems. Uh, They will kind of include a variety of different philosophies or theologies within them, Uh, but ultimately these are three pretty broad brush worldviews that that incorporate uh, certainly most worldviews that you would encounter. Uh, for example, uh, the second question that we hope to get through is what are some elements of these worldviews? We'll see that uh, there's some commonality, at least as far as structure is concerned. Uh, certainly a difference in beliefs, uh, but uh, we'll look at specifically uh, the authority in these worldviews. We'll look at uh, some axioms of these worldviews and uh, look at some application of these worldviews, and that's really where the rubber meets the road, is is where these worldviews uh, are applied in our lives. And then third, we want to answer the question, how can this help me in my interactions, or or you, as it were, uh, specifically with uh, conversations that you may have with friends, family members, neighbors, co-workers, 
things like that. I really want to help to be able to uh, use this information in conversation, Uh, not just uh, head knowledge, but actually be able to to get out there and use it in the world and apologetic conversations, evangelistic conversations, things like that. All right, so the three different worldview groupings that we're going to look at today are theism, pantheism, and panentheism. Uh, Theism, which is the predominant view uh, of most of you out there, I would suspect, uh, would say that uh, quite simply, God is distinct from creation. So you have God, God creates, and that which is created is by necessity distinct from God. Pantheism would sort of overlap these spheres of God and creation, or, or maybe a better way to say it is God in the universe, uh, and they are one and the same. So everything that we see, everything that we can observe, everything in the universe is itself God, uh, or the divine. That is another way that you may hear it uh, specified. And the third one is panentheism. Uh, so this one would differ from pantheism uh, in that, uh, or I'm sorry, this would agree or, or coincide with pantheism and say that all of creation is God, but panentheism goes a step further and says that God is greater than just uh, what we see as, as creation uh, or the universe in that sense. So you have the divine that encompasses all that we can see, but then it also stretches beyond that as well. Now with theism, uh, a couple of examples uh, that you may have or very likely have heard of. Uh, you have Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Those are the three uh, monotheistic religions that would hold to one God uh, in that sense. Uh, you also have a, a plethora of uh, monotheist or uh, polytheistic religions as well. Uh, pantheism uh, is uh, primarily uh, maybe you've heard of uh, various Buddhist ideas. Uh, Buddhism would certainly fit in the pantheism, where you're trying to become one with the greater consciousness that is uh, within the universe, all, all of that. And interestingly enough, uh, whereas Buddhism is a far Eastern uh, type of philosophy, religion, uh, humanism uh, over in the West, uh, specifically uh, the Uh, views that are more materialistic would also fit in this category because they would say the material is all that there is. There's no immaterial. So they would deny any kind of supernatural uh, element uh, to the world. So they would focus only on what we can see. So right there, there's a little bit of a distinctive uh, there, but also when you can see how there are some overlaps, which is quite uh, possibly why uh, many prominent atheists or or agnostics, uh, such as uh, the atheist Sam Harris, uh, public intellectual, a really smart guy, he actually has some Buddhist leanings. Uh, So you can see that there's some overlap within those. And then with panentheism, uh, it's probably more nuanced than we can get into today, but uh, the most common uh, example you've heard of 
it's most likely Hinduism, where you have creation, you have the world, the universe that we know, but the gods, and Hinduism is, is a very polytheistic religion, would extend beyond that. Uh, and certain spiritual realities that they would recognize extend beyond uh, merely uh, what we can see and observe here in this creation. All right, so now that we have a better understanding of the three major worldviews that we're talking about today, let's get into some of the elements of these individual worldviews. First, let's talk about authority. Now, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe about anything, we all believe that there is an ultimate authority. Now, for those of us who are Christian, we would recognize that God is our ultimate authority, right? And specifically within the Christian tradition, uh, we believe that God has spoken. He has given us a book, uh, the Bible, right? Um, Judaism also has uh, a text they believe uh, came from ultimately from God, uh, the Torah, um, and uh, they have a supplemental text, uh, the Talmud, uh, as well, uh, that goes along with that. And Islam has a book they believe to be uh, from God, the ultimate authority, uh, the Quran. Uh, so now there's some uh, interesting distinctives there. Uh, we won't get into all of those just yet. Uh, again, the specific focus today, but ultimately uh, for uh, monotheist uh, or theist in general, um, we recognize God as the ultimate authority in, in that sense. And within that, uh, we can see some interesting uh, distinctives as well. Protestant Christians, for example, recognize that the Bible is the ultimate authority uh, that we have uh, as far as uh, uh, available to us uh, now. We don't believe that God is continuing to speak and give inspired instruction as he did in the past. So we have this principle called sola scriptura, right? So the scripture is the ultimate authority. Now, Roman Catholicism uh, in that tradition would hold to scripture as authoritative in, in that sense, but also that the church and tradition uh, as specifically established by the church, would also uh, be authoritative in that regard. Further, uh, when you get to the Christian cults like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and things like that, they would add additional scriptures. Now, they would all say that their scriptures are from God, so they, too, would hold that God is the ultimate authority, but there are variations there as far as uh, who wields authority on an earthly level, right? So, uh, as the Protestant, or I'm sorry, as the Roman uh, Catholics have the Pope, who will at times speak ex cathedra uh, and be infallible in, in that sense. Uh, the Mormons, for example, have a quorum of the twelve, and their president is a prophet from God. Uh, in a similar line of progression, as the Roman Catholics would see the Pope. So you have. 
these earthly figures that are seen to have authority that at least from an outside perspective appears to be equal to, uh, if not at times, uh, more authoritative than the Bible itself. Uh, but then when you move to pantheism, uh, the waters get to be a little muddied, right? If, if God is distinct and separate from the universe that he created, then he can enter into uh, the universe that he created and provide instruction that's completely separate uh, from the universe itself. But what if the universe itself is divine? Well, you don't have this opportunity for external uh, revelation in, in that sense. And so there is a constant uh, looking in, right? Buddhism meditates, inner peace, looking for the nirvana that connects with uh, the greater reality of the universe, things of that nature. Uh, whereas, you know, many humanists uh, of, the, of today, uh, materialists, secularists, naturalists, whatever name that they typically go by, Ultimately, they would say man is the measure of all things, right? It's uh, institutions of man, like government, that would determine uh, what is ultimately right and wrong. That would be the authority, right? Uh, the prevailing culture uh, would determine what is right or wrong and, and be the authoritative voice in that regard. And in all of these instances, uh, the message from the authority can change, right? If you're constantly looking inward and you are ultimately trying to find meaning for yourself, depending on where you are and what you think and what you're seeing or feeling at any given time is going to lead you in different directions. Uh, similarly, uh, with humanism, you'll find uh, very plainly that uh, cultural relativism, uh, relativism in general, uh, is the best uh, that they have. And so there's no comparison of cultures. You know, one culture does right, the other culture does right. There's no dis, uh, dis distinguishing between them to say that one culture is necessarily better than another because they're different cultures. They do what they do. So you have uh, that. And then with panentheism, um, again, there, there are probably lots of distinctives here, but when it comes to a divine belief or, or a belief in the divine that transcends and yet permeates all of creation, um, there, again, is that same kind of muddledness between the divine and the physical or the spiritual and the physical, material and immaterial in that sense. So there's not as clear a distinction. Uh, however, at least with Hinduism, for example, they have a caste system where those who are at the upper echelons of the caste, or, or upper caste, rather, in the upper echelon of the hierarchy, they have the authority to uh, dictate to those uh, in lower caste. So it's it's really interesting in some ways, uh, kind of scary in other ways, right, to, to know that uh, certain people have that level of authority, uh, not just physically but also spiritually. Uh, but 
that ultimately, no matter which of these camps you fall into, you have an authority. The question is, who or what is your authority? And what do you do? Right? How do you respond to that authority? The next element that we'll look at is uh, the axioms. Right? So that, a good definition of an axiom is a statement or proposition which is regarded as being established, accepted, or self-evidently true. That definition comes from one of the online dictionaries. So I figure that's a good starting point to get where we're going. Ultimately, we're talking about presuppositions, right? A statement that is either self-evidently true or practically you're worldview acts as though, or your worldview rests upon these foundational principles, right? So for Christians, uh, that might be that uh, the Bible is true, right? If the Bible is the Word of God, God is the ultimate authority, then what He says is by definition true, right? So that's an example of an axiom that a Christian might have. Uh, Another one would be that Christ is King, right? Because it says uh, the, the Bible, for example, uh, identifies Christ as the second person of the Trinity, and uh, the varying references to his kingship, therefore, he is a king. Um, also, uh, we, we would say that human beings are created in the image of God, right? That God created humans in his own image. Again, these are uh, ideas coming from Scripture, from the Bible. Uh, but if God said it, then it, it certainly can be taken as true, uh, established or accepted uh, as true in, in that sense. And, and also, and this is where it starts to get more uh, applicable in, in a lot of ways, uh, that uh, Christians would hold to the absolute nature of moral truths, meaning that there is an absolute standard of right and wrong, good and evil. You know, that the terms good and evil represent reality, right? It's not just a situation where, you know, it's good for you, but evil for somebody else, right? And when you get into these other worldviews of pantheism and panentheism that blur the line between what they would see as God or, or the divine and the physical, the immaterial, and the material, there's a tendency to really slip into that relativistic idea of, you know what, that's true for you, but not true for me. And it's a difficult thing for us to grasp, uh, quite frankly, uh, as Christians, uh, because it's so far from what we recognize, right? It almost seems illogical that you can hold that something is true for one person and not true for another. And, you know, maybe that's something we can uh, kind of expound upon uh, later on in in more detail, but uh, I think you see where we're going with that. Um, An axiom, uh, for example, that might come from a more humanistic perspective is that humans are basically good, right? And... You know, anything that is 
done that is perceived as evil is not necessarily the fault of the individual, but uh, maybe the society that they're in is creating some, some issues, right? Or it's not the society, maybe it's the family, right? Or, or maybe it's various experiences that this individual has had. Maybe it's oppression, right? But the person is basically good. Um, and, and so that's, that's an axiom that you'll hear a lot. And unfortunately, that's one that is actually taken uh, by many uh, Christians uh, to be true. And it proves to be problematic in a number of situations. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, so we've talked about authority. We've talked about axioms. And now let's look at application. And this is where the rubber starts to meet the road, is you have your authority. Uh, there are axioms that we take, presuppositions, foundational principles, uh, oftentimes from the authority. And, and then we have to go live this out, right? So what, is the, what, what do these things look like when we live them out? We talked about sola scriptura before, right? So if we believe that God is the ultimate authority, and that he has spoken, and he has given us his word inspired by his spirit, then it naturally follows that that word, that revelation, would be authoritative uh, over the words of men, right? So when we see something in scripture, and we hear somebody else say something that is different from that, we need to be able to identify that and lean on what God says rather than what man says, right? So we would see that the Bible is true and where the Bible says, for example, in 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, we would then rightly say that in order for a person to be trained, discipled in the way that God would have them is found primarily, uh, and one might even say exclusively, but uh, let's, let's go with this word sufficiently in Scripture, right? So that uh, Scripture is sufficient for the discipleship of the person. Also, uh, we talked about uh, a moment ago uh, the axiom you know, that uh, Christ is king. Well, if Christ is king, then that means all earthly authorities must rightly submit to Christ as the ultimate authority. Now, that is going to bump up against uh, other worldviews that would say, no, 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 it's the human authorities, the human institutions that determine what's right or wrong, right? What the government says goes, whereas we would need to stand firm and, and make it known that actually it is Christ that is over all. Now, there's no authority that did not come from God, but there's no human authority that can supersede the authority of God in, in that arena. And another one we talked about is that human beings are created in the image of God. Well, that therefore means that human beings have intrinsic value and worth, 
right? That human beings are worth saving, worth protecting. Human life itself is valuable because it is human life. We would deny, for example, naturalistic evolution that would say that human beings are merely the product of matter over time uh, responding to various mutations uh, that, you know, are not guided in any way. It's just, you know, flip of the coin, right? Or in some cases, the flipping of several trillion coins or in many cases, even more than that. Uh, and really, uh, there's no value difference, uh, cosmically speaking, than uh, between a person passing away or being uh, brutally murdered uh, by a criminal and a leaf falling off of a tree or, you know, two supernovas uh, colliding, space dust colliding with other space dust. It's all ultimately the same. There's no value difference between those. We would need to be able to step in and say, actually, you know, human beings are valuable, right? That's, that's where the application comes in. And we would also deny moral relativism and, and that idea that, well, it's good for you to do, but not good for me, or vice versa. That's not good for, or that's good for me to do, but not good for you. We would need to stand for an objective right and wrong in that situation. We would need to be able to step up and say, where God has spoken clearly, this is our duty. This is what is expected of us. This is what we should do, right? When Jesus says, you are the salt and light of the earth, that is, you know, a command from, we believe, our king, our authority, his word, that we would take as true telling us what we need to do, right? So there's a, an application, there's an imperative that is linked with that, right? We are supposed to be in the world uh, seasoning it with salt, seasoning our speech uh, appropriately, uh, making sure that we are the light of the world, uh, in that we are showing others uh, the light of God in, in our behavior, in our conduct, uh, whether it's at church, whether it's in our, with our families, whether it's um, out in uh, the public square. So we've talked about the distinctives of the worldviews, theism, pantheism, panentheism. Uh, we've looked at some of the elements of these views. Uh, all of us have an authority. All of us have presuppositional uh, axioms, foundational principles that we are going to take as a given. And we're going to apply those in our daily lives, right? That's just what we do. No matter who we are, no matter what we believe, no matter what our authority is, that's what we're going to do. Now, the last question, how, is, how does this help you, right? How does this help you? How does this help me? Well, when you're in that conversation with somebody, what you hear typically first is not the authority, uh, you may hear uh, explicitly some of the axioms, but more than likely, you'll hear the application, right? And hearing how that person is applying their view is a window into what their foundational principles are, what those axioms are that they're 
resting on, right? And those axioms are going to point to what their authority is. So when you're talking with somebody who, for example, let's take a, uh, a recent event going on right now, uh, the assassination of the Irani uh, military leader, um, terrorist um, Soleimani, right? People of different worldviews uh, and different beliefs are going to have different opinions on that. And when you're talking with somebody, they may say from the get-go, it was wrong to commit that action. Well, it may be, but why was it wrong? Right? Ask that question. Why was it wrong? Is it wrong because um, that's a person who's made in the image of God and there was no due process, or at least the person uh, may say that? Okay, so there's a window into what their underlying uh, presuppositions are, the, those underlying axioms are. Um, is it wrong because uh, it's perceived as unconstitutional? Right, and, and the Constitution is the ultimate authority. All right, so now we've got ultimately the authority is what the government says, right? It's what the Constitution says. Constitution written by men. That Constitution undergirds the institution of uh, the, the United States government, if it's the U.S. Constitution that you're talking about, uh, or whatever particular Constitution of whatever nation that, that you're referring to. So is it that uh, human law is, is the ultimate arbiter of right and wrong in, in this situation? Uh, or is it something else, right? Is it uh, because this is a, an act that can be seen as uh, starting a war or, or at least antagonizing and leading to ultimately some, some sort of war and a concern for human life? They can be lost during the war. And we understand, and I think most of us, if not all of us listening, can agree that war is an awful thing. Nobody wants to see war. But when somebody declares some kind of moral judgment, asking the question of why, right? Why was it not a good thing? Or on the flip side, you know, you'll, you'll run into people perhaps who would say that it was a good thing. Right? Why was it a good thing? Well, this person is a terrorist who is responsible for the death of hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, innocent people over the course of his life. Uh, well, then maybe it was a good thing for the preservation of more human life. Uh, and even then, it gets into the issue of, well, if, if you are in a position, as our government was, to kill someone... Uh, to potentially save others, is that a morally correct thing to do, right? And now you're in this conversation of, well, who determines what's right and wrong? Who determines why that action was right or wrong? And that will help uncover some of these foundational principles. What's driving us to these conclusions? What's driving us to these applications, right? And ultimately, what our authority is and what is great about these types of discussions is when you can get to those deeper levels of, of those axioms and the authority, when you discover that those are not rooted in 
Christianity, when they're not rooted in the true God, you will inevitably see inconsistency, right? Because if Christianity is true, then by default, any other view is going to be false. And we cannot consistently live falsehood. We will ultimately reveal it in some way. And, and oftentimes we're blinded to it. We're blinded to our own inconsistencies. Oftentimes I have them. We all have them. And, and it's helpful to be in those situations where our blind spots can be called out. But if you are in that situation and you see that uh, somebody is coming from, say, a more secular humanist viewpoint, you're able to effectively go over and show them the cracks in their foundation. But not just show them where their worldview fails, where their axioms fail, where their authority ultimately fails. You can show them the truth. You can show them an authority that's always right. You can show them axioms that will never fail. And you can show them um, wisdom. You can show them these things. And ultimately, our goal as Christians should always be uh, the salvation of other souls. Right? We were saved by grace through faith. And we should live to see uh, the kingdom of God expanded in the here and now uh, for the eternal good of our neighbor. Right? If, if we truly believe that, that our differences are not merely a difference of opinion, but a difference of eternity, we should be having these conversations intentionally. We should be having these conversations specifically um, for not just to dis disagree, not just to argue, not just to keep it on the surface level, not even to rile people up. Heaven forbid we don't just want to be trolls, right? We want to ask questions that get under the surface level. We want to ask questions that get to the heart of the matter so that we can help open their eyes in, in any way that we can to show them how an authority that's other than God is ultimately going to fail, how axioms that are not rooted in the Word of God are ultimately going to be going to fail, right? We we want to be able to show that, but also by our conduct, by our words, by our deeds, bring them face to face with truth. As Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew seven, beginning at verse twenty-four, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Truth is, a storm's coming. For all of us, we will endure trials, we will endure storms, and if our lives are built on the rock, Jesus' words, 
when we do them, that when those storms come, they will not overtake us. And when we have these conversations with our friends, with our family, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, being able to, to basically walk over to their house and show them their foundation is sand. But not just sit there and point at the foundation being sand, but also turn and show them that there's a house built on the rock. And that's what they need. They need the house built on the rock. And if there's anything we can do to help them get closer and closer to do that, then it is our duty. It is our commission from our king. Well, I hope this has been helpful. Uh, I hope this has been informative. Uh, drop us a line on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. As promised, here are all of our new likes over the weekend. And a big thank you uh, to all of you. Neville Palmer, Johnny Sanders, Najwa Karasi, Lisa Marie Gort, Donald Martin, Angela Duke, Daniel Foreman, uh, Sean Lee, Teresa Richards Millender, Jason Lee, Joel Cleveland, uh, Brant Montgomery, Daniel Currington, uh, Gwendy Starkey, uh, Carissa uh, Croy, LaShondra Monique Roberts, uh, Jeremy Ivey, uh, Chris Zalea, Donald Horn, Jeremy Hall, Josiah Russell, Kai Ordonio, uh, Gina Maria Crabtree, Timothy Smith, uh, Jan Francisco, Ashley Bradford Millender, Jennifer Carr, Chase Thompson, Alex Bruchak, Eric Hartley, Jack Wakefield, Ashton Clark, Justin Adderholt, Jacob Tillman, Chelsea Wright, Jonathan Allen, Corbin Byler, Patrick McAfee, uh, Bryson Rogers, Jesse Bowl, J.B. Huffman, David Yee, Melissa Segrist, Kevin Briggins, Patrick Madry, Jason and Melissa Johnson, Erica Van Brimmer, Josh Hicks, Laura Hicks, Kevin Hartley, Jay Jacks, Robin Camp, Jamie Curley, Leslie Patterson, Sean Day, Gracie Barnhill, Rod Friday, Ben Emery, Justin Lockhart, Paul Abbott II, Brandy Jones Robertson, Nate and Colleen Wright, Jay Bruinsma, Cynthia Dollar, Grant Van Brimmer, Casey and Nicole Hill, John Curry, Wanda Owens Nunnery, Linda Seymour Clark, Denise Wilkes, Gabe Potts, uh, my wife, Jessica Hall Mewburn, and John Jonathan Dollar, and last but not least, Lane Moy. Thank you all for the great show of support. Thank you. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.